Um, it's the Shegilola Salami Show, and I'm Shegilola Salami. Um, it's a podcast show set in a virtual cafe. Um, today, it's a very gloomy day, um, but, you know, as usual, there seems to be something wrong because I've got, you know, where I had my wisdom tooth taken out, you know, what, you know, about 10, 15 years ago, I seem to be suffering from phantom wisdom tooth pain. Um, so yeah, so I'm not, I'm not a very happy bunny um, today, but the ca- cafe still has to run, you know, the show, the show must continue. Um, so please do feel so, um, sorry for me and send me lots of sympathy. I like sympathy. Um, anyways, who have I got here in the Virtue Cafe today? Hi, Shagalala. This is Tom Corley. I'm uh, talking to you from the United States. Hello, Tom. How are you? I'm doing fantastic. Okay. Are you going to tell me a bit about yourself? I'd like to know who I've got on the, in the cafe. Sure. So uh, I'm an author. Um, I've written a number of books. Rich Habits is probably the most famous one. I did a Rich Habits study where I interviewed uh, – 361 rich people and poor people over a five-year period and uh, gathered an enormous amount of information because I asked each one of them 144 questions. And um, the data that I gathered uh, indicated that uh, there were vast differences between the rich and the poor, primarily in their habits. So, um, you know, I've spent probably the last uh, eight years uh, sharing my research and my books with um, uh, everybody in the world, pretty much. And um, I'm also happen to be a CPA, a certified financial planner. Uh, I do a, a number of speaking engagements. I'm, I'm a media contributor. Uh, so, you know, I'm kind of a, I've got four businesses that I'm running, essentially. And one of them is what I call my rich habits business. So I try and get out there through uh, the media, my media interviews, TV, radio. I also do podcasts like I'm doing today. I write articles for Business Insider, CNBC, Success Magazine, Money Magazine, Kiplinger's, probably about 30 different other places, media, major media that I get involved with, uh, uh, writing articles and, and doing interviews and sharing my data. So uh, this is, you know, something that's a real passion of mine or it's it's a mission i'm on a mission to try and help share with uh the listeners and the viewers and the readers of my research the habits that separate the haves from the have-nots which habits will uh, lift you out of poverty which habits will drag you down into the community pool of poverty so um you know and that's what i hope to do today i hope to help some of your listeners Fabulous. Now, before we even dive into, you know, your book, because it sounds really amazing, right? So the thing that was sort of running through my head when you were talking was, what inspired you to carry out this research? Like, did you just wake up one day and go, hmm, let me see how many people I reach people I can contact and find out about their habits? Like, what motivated you to do carry out the research? Well, there's really two things. Um, There was one that was a kind of, uh, I guess, something that was embedded deep inside of me my whole life, which didn't really uh, come out until uh, I was older and I began my research. And that was uh, the, you know, we were, I was raised up until the age of nine, we were very wealthy in my house. 
in my household. Um, and we lived on Toad Hill, which is one of the richest communities on Staten Island, which is a, a suburb of New York. Uh, and at age nine, my, it's a complicated, much more detailed and involved story. But essentially, overnight, my father's uh, business burned to the ground. And we were uh, poor. I was poor until, you know, I, I guess until I, I left the home. And um, what started me on this research was uh, uh, back in 2004, I had taken over control and, and responsibility for uh, my CPA firm. And uh, one, of the, one of our business clients requested a meeting with me. He was somewhat in a panic. So I met with him you know, late one night. And uh, as it turned out, he was not going to be able to make payroll that Friday. So he was in desperate need of a line of credit from or money. And he was, uh, you know, I guess picking my brain in, in terms of helping him find a bank that could give him a line of credit in sh short order. I told him that's impossible. You can't, you can't get a line of credit within three days. Uh, so you're not going to be able to solve your problem. I'm not going to be able to solve your problem in three days. And then he broke down and he started crying. And, uh, you know, he had inherited the business from his father, whose father had run it for 30 years. And um, uh, he really was spending too much money, uh, primarily on his lifestyle. Uh, but it didn't, it didn't happen overnight. His business didn't deteriorate overnight. In fact, the business was doing quite well in terms of revenue. It was the expenses were too high. And he kept uh, tapping his line of credit to the tune of until it got to $400,000. And then the bank just shut it down. And then they said, you know, we're not going to lend you any more money. And we're going to term the line, we're going to convert it into a term loan. So he lost his ability to um, have access to capital. Uh, and so he broke down, he started crying. And he said, you know, what am I doing wrong? What are your successful clients doing that, that I'm not doing? What, what a unsuccessful what do your unsuccessful clients do? You know, and he, so I started doing some research. I, uh, you know, like everybody else, I went on to Google, started Googling uh, information about, you know, why some people succeed and other people's other people fail. And uh, there was a book called uh, The Millionaire Next Door, which I, I read. Uh, you know, that that came up in the research, but it didn't really help because it it kind of focused on people who are already doing pretty well in life. And um, it didn't really tell the story about how they, how they got there. Uh, so I started um, baby stepping my way into, you know, interviewing successful people. That's kind of how it started. Uh, I ended up with, took me about six months, but I created a list of, uh, I call it the 20 question list. It's really 20 categories broken out into 144 questions. And I asked um, uh, 233 millionaires those questions. And basically those questions were intended to capture everything that happened during their day. You know, everything from the minute that they put their feet on the floor in the morning to the minute that they put their head on the pillow at night. Uh, and then I documented all of their responses to my questions. Uh, and then um, at that point, I, you know, I remember telling my wife, hey, I finished my research project. It had taken me about two and a half years at, at that point uh, on the rich people. And she said, that's great. And, you know, I was talking to her about it. 
And she said, it sounds really interesting, but what do poor people do that makes them poor? And so then I, I realized it was like one of those aha moments that we have. I said, I went back to the drawing board and I, I started interviewing poor people. I in, interviewed 128 poor people, asked them the same questions. And then I, I analyzed all of that data and compared the responses from the rich to the responses from the poor. And it, I had a light bulb moment where I said, my God, most of the differences are habits. These are the daily behaviors, thinking and choices uh, that separate the rich from the poor. So uh, I started training people. I, uh, I did this, these uh, training sessions, I called them. I had about 10 to 12 people in a room, my, one of my, my conference rooms, and uh, I, I trained them on, on the rich habits. Uh, and there were many rich habits, but then they were having so much success. Uh, these individuals who, who did the training, who, who were involved in the training program. Uh, and um, they asked me to write a book about it. So, you know, I'd never written a book before. That was something new to me. And I, you know, it took me about uh, two years, but I finally finished Rich Habits and, and it was published in 2010. Wow, that was an amazing story. Um, wow, okay. So how did you find the rich people? What was your criteria for someone who was rich? Well, the, the irony is because I'm a CPA, a financial advisor, uh, and um, a you know, big part of our practice, we have wealthy people. You know, wealthy people, people that have some means come to, they can afford CPAs and financial planners. So they were fairly easy. And, uh, you know, I had so, so a chunk of them, probably about 20 to 25% came from my client base. The rest uh, I offered uh, through advertising a free uh, tax analysis or free financial planning for wealthy people, for anybody that had assets. You know, I, I was, you know, my focus was I was trying to bring. I was trying to interview wealthy people and my definition of wealthy was anyone that had uh, investable assets of $3.2 million or more and had, and it was a conjunctive test, two part test, and they had to have 160,000 or more of income every year. So uh, I, you know, through the advertising and, and the solicitations and the free stuff I was giving to the wealthy people in terms of services, I was able to get the rest of the, um, I stopped the 233 individuals. Let's, let's just say that. Uh, and then uh, the poor people were a little bit harder to find, uh, but I did uh, the same process, you know, offered free uh, credit counseling, uh, free, you know, uh, financial planning to help them create budgets and get on track and things like that. And I, and I was able to get 120. I stopped at 128 poor people. I felt I really should have stopped at 100 and 100, but um, you know, I got carried away with my research. And uh, mm -hmm. so, so, you know, th then uh, the heart that was hard because that took about four years of gathering the information. And then I spent another 16 months analyzing the data and putting it into various Excel worksheets, mm. and uh, finally summarized it into something I call the research summary which um, became the, the springboard for uh, helping me to write my book, one of my books. 
fabulous, fabulous. You know, that's a really amazing story. So what are these habits that rich people do that poor people don't do? Well, there's, I tracked over 340 differences uh, between the rich and the poor. And there's probably uh, rich habits. My first book is I, I focused on 10, what I call 10 keystone habits. These are uh, habits that uh, have their, their keystone because they impact other habits. They're like, uh, uh, what would you call it? Uh, you know, they're, they're the types of things that are like dominoes. When you forge one of these keystone habits, uh, they can eliminate or create a series of other habits. For example, I found, which I, I thought was interesting, that 76% um, of the wealthy people in my study exercise 30 minutes or more every day aerobically. And um, that led to other habits uh, because it was a keystone habit. It led to eating right. Uh, it led to um, reducing your consumption of alcohol. In some cases, uh, cutting back on smoking cigarettes or, or ending your uh, addiction to, to cigarettes. I had all of these beneficial health habits that kind of strung along with that one keystone habit. Another one that, that was important was uh, I found that the wealthy people read 30 minutes or more every day to um, gain knowledge, to, to improve themselves in some way. Um, so that was, that was another keystone habit because, uh, you know, that led to them, um, you know, focusing on certain niches in their business, which led to goals, which led to goal habits. So, um, uh, that, that was another keystone habit that completely changed their lives and allowed them to become wealthy. Uh, another one was what I call dream setting. This is important for the entrepreneurs out there. Uh, you need to create a clear vision of your future ideal life, say 10, 15, 20 years out into the future. And then uh, inside that perfect future life, what gets you there are all the dreams that you realize, you know, because you're starting at, at a, a point in time today and 20 years from now, you're somebody entirely different. Well, what gets you there is the realization of specific dreams. Hmm. that uh, make that future perfect life possible. And so what I, uh, I found the rich people is they, they, they had a vision of their future life. They created these, uh, they went after these dreams one by one. Uh, so if they had a dream of, let's say, um, being, an, being an author like myself, well, they then uh, created goals around that dream. Well, in order to be an author, you have to write. So you have to develop your writing skills. So now you have to develop the, the habit, the goal habit of writing every day. And uh, another goal habit would be of educating yourself in terms of grammar and, and uh, understanding words, expanding your vocabulary, things like that. Uh, and uh, so when you, when you have these dreams, you're able to create goals and then you're able to build habits, daily habits around those goals. And that's really what dream setting is. And, uh, the other thing I think is really important is um, positive mental outlook. I, the wealthy people in my study had a positive mental outlook. The poor people had a negative mental outlook. And uh, as I peeled that onion, I found through various research studies that were done that positivity 
is critical to success because it actually opens up your entire mind. Uh, it um, allows you to see things, opportunities, uh, intuition speaks to you, telling you that, hey, here's an answer to one of your problems. Uh, so uh, positivity opens up your mind. It, op it, it gets the prefrontal cortex talking to the limbic system and the brainstem. Negativity narrows your focus. Uh, you can think of the, the fight or flight um, mechanism that all human beings have. When we go into fight or flight mode, we focus single-mindedly on the threat, whatever the threat is. Well, when you have a negative mindset, you become narrow-minded because you're focusing on all of your problems. They, they're the threats. And when you're in a negative mindset, you're unable, because of your narrow thinking, your negativity, you're, not, you're unable to see solutions to your problems because your entire brain isn't working. You, essentially, your prefrontal cortex is shut down or, or minimized. So, um, you know, the, the, and I'll finish with this last one. Uh, the wealthy people in my study by far had surrounded themselves, their inner circle, so to speak, was made up of what I call rich relationships. These were other positive, upbeat, enthusiastic, success-minded individuals. Uh, they, they avoided toxic relationships. These are the negative people, the people that are in search of problems, not solutions. Um, the boo leaders, not the cheerleaders, you know? So they avoided or limited their, their exposure to toxic people and just uh, increased their exposure to these upbeat, positive, success-minded people. Wow, that is amazing. Um, and I can, I, can, I can actually see, you know, a lot of truth, a lot of sense in what you're saying, because, you know, when you surround yourself with negativity, then, you know, it takes away, it doesn't add any value to your life. And so you're then sort of wallowing in that negativity rather than being grown. And I think that's the other bit where you say that they surround themselves with people who are of the same mindset. I think it reminds me of that saying, um, beds of the same feather flock together. Yeah, that's right. That's, I, in fact, I use that, that phrase, that cliche, often in my writing. Uh, there's also something else called the herd doctrine that I, I uh, use in my writing. So the herd doctrine is... Uh, you know, wealthy people create their own herd and they're, they're inside their herd or the people that they allow in. Uh, so, so, and they, and poor people create their own herd and inside their herd are the people that they allow in. Well, the people that, that the wealthy people allow in are what we talked about, the upbeat people and the positive mindset and the people that the poor people uh, allow into their inner circle are those that have a negative mindset and so, um, you know, the, it, it's like attracts like we are. And the interesting thing about that is um, we, you know, habits spread through, they're like a virus. They spread throughout your social networks. So if you can imagine if you allow, if you're trying to be successful and you allow negative toxic people into your inner circle, their habits are going to infect you. Yeah. And you're going to pick up some of their bad habits and you're going to be scratching your head and wondering, hey, why aren't I successful in life? Well, you're not successful because you're uh, like, you know, you're, you're toxic friends. You're not exercising. You're not reading to learn. You're not, you're not uh, pursuing dreams. You don't have goals. 
You're not doing the things you need to be doing on a daily basis because you have habits that are identical to the habits of the people inside your inner circle. Yeah. Wow, that is truly, truly amazing. So was this your first book that you published, Rich Habits? Yeah, I've never, you know, I never, I, I was always a good writer. I will say that I always uh, wrote articles, uh, always meaning like, you know, for a big chunk of my adult life, I wrote technical articles because I'm a, a CFP, a CPA, and I have a master's degree in taxation. So I wrote articles. I was a good writer. Uh, but I'd never written a book before. So Rich Habits was, you know, my first foray into writing a book. And that's why I kept it small. I, I always, I know, one thing I learned about through my research is wh whenever you're pursuing a dream for your first time, pursue a small dream. Uh, yeah. Because that builds, that builds confidence. And that builds uh, self-esteem. And it helps you create, uh, develop certain skill sets and knowledge. Hmm. that you can then use for the next dream. So then I moved on to my second book, Rich Kids, which uh, actually is my best book in terms, of, um, in terms of literary writing. It's received a number of literary awards. Uh, and then uh, and that book is primarily about, uh, you know, the habits that the self-made millionaires learn from their parents. Yeah, uh, and uh, then I wrote uh, "Change Your Habits, Change Your Life," which is really um, the science behind habit change. It incorporates, you know, the latest in habit change strategies. Also, uh, explains the neurology of habits, how the brain works, how the brain forms habits, how the brain uh, gets rid of or eliminates habits. Uh, so it's it's a more I don't want to call it a technical book, but it, there's a lot of science in it. Mm -hmm. uh, a lot of know-how. And then my, um, uh, my fourth book was Rich Habits, Poor Habits, which I co-authored with uh, Michael Yardney, who's the number one real estate expert in Australia. He's very successful, very wealthy. He's uh, the best at what he does. And, and he's been mentoring, you know, thousands and thousands of people over the last 20 years to become wealthy. So we collaborated on, on Rich Habits, Poor Habits, and that, that became, all of these books ended up they became bestsellers. Rich Habits by far was my most successful book. Change Your Habits, Change Your Life, that was my second most successful book. And then the others, even though they, you know, they, they weren't as successful, they became bestsellers. And not just in the United States, I mean, in Australia, in India, um, in the UK. Uh, and now I have a book uh, in China. And that, that's doing very well. And I have six more books coming out, seven more books coming out in, in India, Vietnam, uh, Poland, and another book in China. So, uh, you know, it's, it's catching fire, the rich habits worldwide. And, uh, you know, I'm just, I'm just going to, I'm going to probably do this till the day I die. Yeah. Okay. Fabulous. Well, you know, so we try to let people who are listening to the show gain something from your experience. So what five things, you know, from, you know, from this journey of publishing your first book, you know, getting all this data to where you are now. I mean, we know we've identified key differences between rich people and poor people, but someone who, and I think the term poor, you know, is a very subjective, you know, term, but I think in this case we'll say poor in terms of, 
having X amount of, you know, sort of a limited income. So would put it poor in that, you know, in that respect. So how would, what sort of things would you recommend or what five things would you recommend um, someone who say they earn less than a hundred thousand pounds, for instance, what can they do to try and increase their income? Well, the first thing is, I, you know, you, you, you want to emulate people who are successful. And the best way to do that is by emulating their habits. So that's why I wrote all these books is to, you know, put poor people, give them a chance to put them on an even playing field uh, because poor people are not taught these rich habits. Yeah. Uh, they, they just, they just, you know, poor parents don't know these rich habits. If they did know about them, they wouldn't be poor. So I'm trying to create an even playing field by sharing these rich habits. So the one thing you're going to want to do is emulate the, the, those who are successful. And the way to do that is by forging or adopting some of their habits. And um, the other thing is wealth and poverty are just processes. The fact that you're wealthy means your process works. The fact that you're poor means your process works. You're just following the wrong process if you're poor. Mm -hmm. So you want to change your process from, from a poor process to a wealth process. And, and that involves really um, changing what you do on a daily basis, who you associate with, associate with on a daily basis, uh, developing skills, developing knowledge, creating niches for yourself. There's a whole host of things which I write about, not only on my books, but on my Rich Habits website. Uh, and the other thing is, uh, there are really, uh, the, I like to say there's three or four ways. I'm going to break it down to four ways that you can become wealthy. Uh, so the first way is the guaranteed way. This is called the saver investor way. So you uh, basically save money by living below your means. You do that by reducing your standard of living to such an extent that your income exceeds your expenses. You take that excess, which we call savings, and then you prudently invest it. Uh, the saver investors in my study, it took them about 32 years to become wealthy. So, but it's a guaranteed approach. You don't need any skills. You don't need any superior virtuoso type knowledge. Uh, you don't need any luck. It's uh, pretty much guaranteed, but it does take a long time. The second way to get rich is to become a virtuoso. That's someone who has expert knowledge or expert skills. People, the world will pay a premium to individuals who, have, who are virtuosos. You'll make more than your competition. And then, of course, because you're making more money, you're able to save more money, and then you can invest that and become wealthy. The third way is to work for one of these large multinational publicly held corporations and, and just you know rise up the ladder, corporate ladder. They give um, compensation in many forms. One of them is stock compensation and uh, many, many of the millionaires in my study were senior executives at uh, publicly held corporations and made probably 80% of their wealth came from their stock, the stock compensation that they received. And then the last way is to become a, a dreamer slash entrepreneur. These are individuals that pursue dreams. Uh, they go out on a limb, they invest their time and money, 
uh, and they will, um, if they succeed, they will by, by far make the most money out of any of the four types of, of millionaires. They are by far the wealthiest and they become wealthier sooner. On average, the dreamers in my study accumulated their millions within 12 years. The uh, millionaires in my study who were uh, virtuosos or uh, corporate executives, it took them about 20 years. So <clears throat> depending on the type of millionaire you're going to try and become, uh, it's a big factor of that is, is time, the component of time. That's why so many people you know, become entrepreneurs because it's, uh, you know, it's just a significant windfall, windfall if you succeed and in a short, shorter period of time. Uh, the other thing I want, I want to share is you're never, those who succeed, other than maybe the investors' savers, those who become millionaires, they, they generally don't do it on their own. Uh, you need apostles or mentors, apostles to your cause or mentors to help guide you along the way. So you, you need a team of people who are going to help pull your cart. Uh, the other thing is, I often like to say relationships are the currency of the wealthy. The wealthy, um, they grow their relationships, their rich relationships over many, many years, and they devote an enormous amount of time over those years to keeping those relationships strong. Why? Because they know that their relationships, their other success-minded, upbeat, rich relationships have the ability to, with a phone call, open up doors that are shut to everybody else. Uh, so the relationships are very important to the wealthy. And uh, the last thing I'm going to say, this is another fast track to success, is find a mentor. Find someone who is doing what you want to do and then pick their brain or ask them to mentor you or intern for them or do whatever, but make, try and bring them into your inner circle. If you can get a mentor uh, to help guide you along the way, the reason it's a fast track to success is because they tell you, they teach you what to do and what not to do. And that saves you time and it saves you money because when you make mistakes, when you do things that you shouldn't do, uh, those mistakes cost you time and money. If you have a mentor telling you right then and there, don't do that. That's a mistake. Uh, I, I learned that early on. Uh, so here's what you want to do. Mentors really, uh, they kind of smooth the pavement for you when you're walking along your path towards success. Uh, they uh, help identify the potential pitfalls that you're going to experience and obstacles. And then they're there to help guide you around those obstacles and over those pitfalls. So uh, those are probably six really good uh, rich habit points that I want the, your listeners to take away. Fabulous. Wow. You know, you really took your time to make sure you had all the contents for your book. And, you know, I'm a big lover of data and analyzing stuff and, you know, just trying to improve myself, you know, so Thanks, thanks for sharing everything. It's really um, amazing. Um, if any of the listeners wanted to connect with you, you know, maybe to get more information, um, how can they reach you? 
Well, so richhabits.net is my website. What's great about my website is it's, there's no third-party content on there. It's all proprietary. It's all based on my research. So you can, I have a tip of the morning to you. I write every day. So you get a tip from me if you subscribe to the website, which doesn't cost anything. I have a tip of the week, which is typically, um, I, I do a podcast with um, Michael Yardney, and we share uh, some insight into how to become successful. Uh, and I have resources, free eBooks, free reports. Uh, and uh, then of course you have ac access to some of the top uh, national and international uh, media uh, articles or interviews that I've done. They're on my website. Uh, so there's a lot of information on the website that could help steer you in the right direction and get you on the right track. Fabulous. It's been an absolute pleasure listening to you. Um, just run us through again, just in case, because I have mommy brain and I can use that excuse till my daughter turns 25, apparently. So remind us again, what are the titles of all your books? So I know the first one is Rich Habits. What are the Right. So there's Rich Habits. There's Rich Kids, which is uh, the, the habits the self-made millionaires learn from their parents that made them wealthy. Uh, there's uh, Change Your Habits, Change Your Life, which is the uh, neurology behind habit change. And then there's Rich Habits, Poor Habits, which is a collaborative book with myself and Michael Yardney, which uh, shares both of our brains. Okay, fabulous. Remind us, who is Michael Yardley? Michael Yardney has been voted four years in a row the top real estate expert in Australia. Ah, fabulous. See, I, it's like sometimes I feel like I should know all these people, but then I've been locked in my own cocoon. Um, okay, no, that's, that's quite lovely. Thanks for explaining. Um, well, we've come to the end you know, of another day in the, in the virtual cafe, and I'm sorry we didn't get around to offering you a virtual drink. What would you normally have if you go to a real cafe? Well, for me, it's uh, obviously coffee. I love coffee. Oh, fabulous. My poison is hot chocolate. I can't. It always feels like there's something wrong in a day if I don't have hot chocolate. <laughs> well, that's good. You know that co cocoa is, is good for you. It's, it's uh, actually got flavonoids and, and good healthy things in it. So good for yeah. you. Yes, no, but everyone, um, I hope you've enjoyed listening to Tom and, you know, he's given his details. Um, I think your website is Rich Habits. Yeah, richhabits.net. I'm all over the internet. It, it's you, All you have to do is type in Rich Habits and I pop up. So Fabulous. Well, if you need to contact him, you know how to contact him. And, you know, if you're looking for ways to change your habits, then, you know, do consider getting his book um, on Amazon or via your favorite uh, book retailer. Um, well, everyone, until next time, it's the Shagilola Salami Show. Bye now.